Well, welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. My name's Trevor Long, and joining me each and every Formula One Grand Prix, Connor McNally, Harry Tucker, and we do it thanks to the good people at KO. Gee whiz, the KO stream held up for me tonight. Although, Connor, yes. <laughs> I can't confirm that it was there for the whole 78 laps because I reckon I watched six well, of them. Uh, how many did you watch? The full 78 I on behalf? all the 78 laps on our behalf. So. Wow. You deserve an award. Harry, what about you, mate? Look, I was awake for all 78, but I reckon the middle, like, 50, I was probably just scrolling Twitter. So I think we're sort of in the middle of you two. That is, I mean, commendable effort by both of you. Uh, I speak on behalf of every Formula One fan when I say, fuck, that's boring. (laughs) I mean, yes, it's it's an exciting weekend. I think that's what's interesting about this race, right? It's an exciting weekend if you're there because you look at the excitement of the the commentary team, everyone, it's like, wow, this is amazing. But I think they're just caught up in the in the momentum of it all. I just, yeah, I, I really am struggling to see how anything other than the history of this event gives it any credibility. Is it like a false sense of reality that when you're in Monaco, you're living the glitz and glamour life of being there, you know, being with the rich and famous, and yet the race itself is really a bore fest? I mean, I, I, and that's you know what they talk about. You know, uh, Charles and Clerk's uh, home Grand Prix. It's every driver's home <laughs> Grand Prix. They all live there. They're, They're all, all That's true. All got the same yeah. landlord. Oh, I, I'm I'm just blown away by it because of how predictable it is. It's so predictable. Uh, you know, there was really poor odds on pretty much any market um, in terms yeah. of uh, anyone uh, doing quite well out of it. Although that's a whole other rant. Just a heads up to everyone. Yeah. Trev's coming into this episode hot. He has not, <laughs> yeah. he's coming in hot. I, I think we should just give everyone a language warning. I mean, if you already haven't listened to the podcast previously, we do drop in a little bit of fruity language. Be prepared for a lot of flu- fruity language tonight from Trevor. I can assure you it will be worth it. Oh, I'm I'm hearing Connor's uh, pretty pent up as well. Look, let's let's get to the basics here. Um, the race was won by Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz in second, Lando Norris in third, which on its own is a great headline. It's a great podium. Um, it's a great photo of three blokes spraying champagne, Harry. I think that's an exciting thing for Formula One to see those names on the podium, oh, especially Ferrari, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. For them to get like, you know, last year and, and just what Ferrari means to the sport, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what Ferrari means to the sport and having them back at the front, even after the disappointment of, of, of Charles at, um, at the start of the race and yesterday. So I think that's huge, uh, especially for Ferrari as we go into next year. And there's going to be a bit of hope for, for that team now um, for 2022 in the new car. And I think, Connor, the other part of that is then looking at McLaren, and we'll talk about Dan later, but just McLaren, third place. Lando Norris, that's huge. Massive, massive. Oh, absolutely. And obviously the partnership reuniting with Mercedes is obviously working. That car is working beautifully right now. It's definitely working for Lando. Definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely not working for Dan right now. And that is the most baffling thing that we will discuss as uh, the podcast goes on. But let's face it, Lando is at one with the car, with the package, everything. And it's his second podium of the season as well, which is fantastic for Lando. And it actually puts him third in the Drivers' Championship. So it's been a very good season thus far for Lando. But unfortunately for Dan, um, I'm just lost for words, as probably you and I and everyone else is, how poor he was doing this weekend. He had a shocking race. And it's his track where he's traditionally 
excels at. Yeah. Like, it is just baffling. Yeah, and I think that's that's something we need to we need to have a good chat about. Um, you know, you keep going down the results. Sergio Perez in fourth for Red Bull. That Red Bull be very happy with that because he was able to you know get a get a good um, position in qualifying. He was able to maintain it and. You know, while that's not a difficult thing to do in Monaco, it is still a great yeah. result for him. But probably the standout of the top 10 is Seb Vettel yeah. in fifth. It's his first podium point. Yeah, Harry. my guy. Your I guy. Seb. Your guy, Harry. Your guy. He's had a, His redemption arc is incredible. I had a friend over last night who's not into Formula One, and we just got talking about him for ages, just how we went from this guy in multi-21, and he was just this arrogant prick on the grid. And he got humbled a bit at Ferrari, I think. Yeah. He's matured and he's come out the other end and now he's a darling on the ground. Absolutely. And it's his first podium finish, well, points finish for the season. He's actually finished in the terms of the Drivers' Championship ahead of his teammate Lance Stroll. He's now the darling of Aston Martin right now, which is, you know, like an incredible Phoenix attitude for Seb right now. It's been an incredible return of redemption for him. And if you want, we'll look at the driver's standings right now because I can tell you something. There is a change at the front. Max Verstappen is leading Lewis Hamilton for the first time since the, the – uh, well, actually, for the first time this season. Forever. Yeah, first time ever. First time in his yeah, career. Ever. First time he's ever led the world championship, which is a you know a phenomenal thing for Max given. And I think, Harry, this is the this is the amazing thing. I think we talked about this in the, in the pre-season show. Um, Max has always been held up as being this unbelievable future prospect, world champion-elect mm-hmm. Um, who's never actually come to that position even closely. Mm. Um, not for his own fault, let's be clear. I mean, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, but I, I understand he's a bloody brilliant driver. But this is the first time he's led a world championship. Oh, it's great. It's great for the sport, I think. Like, what's it been since, what, 20, was it 2017 or was it 2018 when Ferrari was looking somewhat threatening with Seb? Yeah. But So this is the first time in years that we've had genuine competition. And, you know, it's great for Max, and he's finally living up to that potential that, He's really been painted with ever since he, he got the call up to the main team at Red Bull. Yeah. Or probably ever since his first win in Toro Rosso. He, he won in Toro Rosso. No, no, he yeah. won in Red Bull. Yeah. He won in Red Bull, Red Bull. at the Aussie. Oh, yeah. His first race yeah. for Red Bull. Yeah, he he got straight in the seat and won, which was in, in itself remarkable. Yeah. Connor, where does that put uh, Red Bull in the Constructors World yeah. Championship? Because obviously this race is almost devastating for oh, Mercedes. Without a question. With, well, I can um, tell you. Red Bull in first and fourth, and um, Valtteri failed to finish, oh, and Lewis in seventh. Yeah, with only seven points. So basically, I'll quickly go through drivers. So Verstappen leads for Hamilton, 105 to 101. Um, Lando Norris now third, 56 points. He's now nine ahead of Valtteri on, in fourth position on 47. Then you've got fifth, Sergio on 44. Six is Charles on 40. He would have scored a lot more points had he started tonight. Then seventh would be uh, Carlos Sainz in 38. So he's only two points behind his teammates. So it's going to be very, very interesting how that Ferrari fight goes. Then it is Daniel Ricciardo on 24. In ninth, in uh, with uh, 16 points is Pierre Gasly. And in uh, 10th position, Esteban Ocon with 12 points in the Constructors' Championship, only one point the difference between Red Bull and Mercedes. Red Bull, 149 points, Mercedes, 148. And in terms of third in the Constructors' Championship, McLaren, 80, Ferrari, 78. And then it's lights ahead to everyone else at the moment, Aston Martin, AlphaTauri, Alpine, and Alfa Romeo rounding at the the Championship in the Constructors. I mean, Christian Horner will have a massive boner because this is huge for the for the team. Right. Like for them to be able to have that leadership role again, 
it's, it's like it's massive. They, they've, they've not been in this not position. Not for a long time. And, and no. I, I, you know, some part of me likes to look at this or uh, kind of thinks about this as being a little bit kind of uh, unreal, but it is actually real. This is genuine pace yes. for the team. There's obviously a little bit of controversy we can talk about around their rear wing um, and its its ability to flex and actually give them uh, more potential speed on the straights and all that kind of stuff, which might actually impact them in races ahead, but it won't impact them in Baku because they'll be able to carry it through there. But I think, Harry, that that's the exciting thing about this is we may actually get a race for the championship here this year, and this this kind of really gives you that sense. Yeah, definitely. Like you, you think this is probably the first year where you've had a Toto at the start of the year or freaking every race going, oh, I think Red Bull's going to be the team to beat. Um, and usually yeah. it is Mercedes and wipes the floor, but this year it seems like he actually means it. Like they're, they're struggling. And even you look at Lewis coming in, what, ended up six? Seventh. 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 He, that was basically where he qualified and he finished there. He, you know, I know Monaco is not the, the best track to to really make that point, but it, but the fact that he's in seventh and Max was was there and then um, Bottas didn't even finish because the team couldn't get the wheel off. Like it's it's genuine. It's real. It's it's, it's happening. They feel threatened. So I, I have a really, really important question yes. for you both. Um, what happened to Valtteri? I've got no idea. Cross thread. Conspiracy. Was- I was... I was yeah, well, like, no, oh, he, my, had, my... he suffered a crash. Oh, you, you, you're actually asking. <laughs> I literally have no Well, basically, Valtteri suffered. So he came into the pits. Basically, the wheel nut crossed thread on the hub, and they couldn't get it off. It reminded me of Peter Brock back oh, at Bathurst in 89 when he had the same issue. So that put him out of the race as well. So, yeah, sort of like deja vu, you know, like Valtteri not having the wheel nut come off because it crossed thread. I mean, if you can't get the wheel nut off, yeah. game over. That's 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 not a good thing because uh, he was he was in second place. Um, that was that was the kind of redemption points for Mercedes. Yeah. That would have given Mercedes the they would have been able to retain the constructors' Absolutely. leadership there. And so Valtteri was as quick think, as Max. Like you know, yeah. if it was any other track but Monaco, he probably could have overtaken him and won. Yeah, because the thing is, in Monaco, there's literally no DRS benefit. Yeah. There's little you know, there's little zones, but it's it's of no value in, in, in overall. But obviously. You know, we're missing the bearing the lead here. Charles Leclerc did not make it to the grid. He uh, left the pits uh, on the, you know, they call it the warm-up lap, I guess, to, for, to formation to the grid, whatever you want to call it. Um, he left the he left the pits and it almost immediately radioed in um, in the TikTok style. Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, he literally said that he was like the Gearbox Boys, and it was that that was game set and match. I love the the way that everyone's like, oh, they'll they'll work on it. They'll look. It's a fucking gearbox. Well, yeah, that's not when that's not going to get fixed on the grid. When you were sleeping, Trev, there was an inter- interesting interview with uh, with Charles, and he was talking right. about how it, they don't actually think it was the gearbox. They think it was another part in the left rear um, that was probably caused from the crash, but they, they don't think it was the actual gearbox itself. And who thinks they won't replace the gearbox before the next Grand Prix? Oh, no, the gearbox is in the bin. I mean, you know, I love the fact that they say that, but that's just them but, um, again trying to save face because they were so confident. They 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 qualified fast. He crashed the car. They decided the team analysed it and decided to start the race with that gearbox instead of taking a five place grid penalty, which would have had them, you know, finish the race in sixth. Because I mean, that's the problem: is do you take sixth and get those points, or do you take a risk? They, they took, took a, a risk massive risk and a, they fucked up in the end. They basically. Shot themselves in the foot. But I probably would have taken you know that risk too, to be honest. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm going to say, I agree. I'm with you, Harry. I'm with you. I would have taken the risk because 
There's something that I didn't, even in the 10 or 15 laps I actually did watch, I didn't hear much um, conversation referring to the Daniel Ricciardo win where, you know, he had a massive failure in his car and was going 25% slower than normal and still they could not pass him. Um, you literally can limp around this racetrack and win. Harry. Yeah, well, that's. Well, I guess that's what I think in Ferrari's mind they're probably thinking of, of doing because they, they wouldn't have been thinking that that gearbox was going to be a one for the all seventy eight laps and, and get to the end. It would have been the hope that it holds off. Maybe it gets freaking stuck in third gear the entire race, but because of the nature of the track, that that's, that's could have been all they needed. I think the point of mechanical sympathy in Formula One is lost upon the teams. They just go for it. There's there's no point of having mechanical sympathy. You just got to go for go for broke basically. And they, uh, yeah, as you said, Ferrari rolled the dice and it didn't pay off for them. Now, prior to every race, we uh, we have a little conversation in what's happened. We talk about what's what and who's thinking what's going to happen and who's betting on what. I had a busy <laughs> evening, so I didn't get engaged early <laughs> enough. But I, I jumped in about half an hour before as the race. Do. I put a I put a bit of money around the place, um, you know, two dollars here, five dollars there. We're not you know, big we, spenders like here. We're, no, we're, and and we rarely bet. Uh, from what I've seen in any of the things we've shared, we rarely bet on the the obvious winner. I'm not here to win fifty cents on a on a three dollar bet on the winner. I'm, I'm here to I'm here to you know put maybe thirty or forty dollars on a race and come out with a hundred uh, as a result of that. You know, you've got to. There's got to be a return is the way I look at that sort of stuff. And when I saw Charles Leclerc paying, I think, $26 to be the first retirement, I went, take my money and here's five bucks. Like, it wasn't crazy. Man. I said, here's five bucks on, on Charles Leclerc. And then he pulls into the fucking garage and he doesn't start the race. And I'm like, hello. Ka-ching. And my, I, my excitement was, mate, my next bet was Valtteri to lead after the first lap. I'm thinking if this comes in as a double, I am f- lying. And then the lemon rusty budget bet, would have been filled for months. Oh, I would have bought a carton. The then sports bet voids the bet. They void the bet because you know he didn't do the warm up lap. He didn't start the race. You watched the entire Grand Prix, that which I saw. Um, he was listed on the totem pole as out, the exact same way you would be if you were the first retirement. He didn't start. That's what everyone's saying is it's a DNS, not a DNF. I don't give a fuck. He retired from the race. I I, I, am I being dudded or is this just G up? Like, that's just life. Mate, the house always wins. That, like it's, that's, that's what it comes down to, I think. I always say to people, um, you know, when they talk, you know, I was talking to my kids about gambling once because they see the ads. You know, they even say gamble responsibly. They listen to this And podcast. I say, listen, let you know. Uh, I think Jacko does, actually. Whoops. <laughs> um, there's, a very simple, there's a very simple thing you've got to understand about gambling. Right, these companies are listed on the stock exchange. Some of them, yes. um, they're, they're businesses. They're not. They're not losing money. I get that, but you know, they 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 get their money on the stupid bets I make, like you know, um, you know, Mazepin to be the first retirement, and you know, Hamilton to win because that's paying good money, and Hamilton comes from seventh. We're all going to benefit, right? They they actually have bigger risk on people putting a hundred thousand dollars down to win just a thousand dollars. Because for them, that's a potential huge win, but it's also a risk because it's a full thousand they've got to pay out. The, these little ones, I, I just think it's – I think it's a real G up that Charles Leclerc is not considered a retirement from that race. I, 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 really I have to do. agree with you. Like, Leclerc retired from the race. Like, he didn't – yes, he didn't make the start, but he was a genuine retirement. I mean, if, you, if you're not going to – if you don't finish the race, you don't finish the race. 
if the car didn't wheel out for the weekend, I, I got you. But he qualified for the race. He, he, he made it to race day. They fired up the engines at the same time as every other car. And at that point, you know, that, that's, that's the, they were taking bets up. Yes, they right? so, I'm curious to see if the other companies paid out or not. No, I saw I had someone on Twitter because yes, I winced about it on Twitter. Um, uh, someone else said to me, "I'm having the same argument with Ladbrokes." Right. Wow. There you go. So Dutted. I suspect it's uh, I'm not Robertson Crusoe on that one, and you know maybe I should have known from the from the odds because seriously, at twenty six dollars, the bloke had a potential gearbox failure. I mean, it, it was it was a ticking time bomb, right? Um, and in fact, isn't it fascinating that there was. No, no crash. In fact, was there no, no safety, safety car, car at all? That's the only bet oh, that I won. Shit, that was paying like six I, bucks. I took a bet on that and yeah, won. Clara and I both got on that. Oh, you both suck. Oh, didums, didums. That's. I mean, that's that's actually a solid, it is a win, solid win because I got to admit, I think, I think it hasn't happened for a very long time. Even to the point where the one year it didn't happen, it was because there was only a virtual safety car. That was the first year they were they were playing with that. Right. It's a, it's actually a pretty good result for the. For the, all the teams for Valtteri Bottas, so you've got Charles Leclerc not finishing because he's because he, he, he crashed on Saturday essentially, and you've got Valtteri um, not finishing because of a, a wheel nut failure. But everything else mechanically and you know fence wise um, uh, came out all right for the team. All the Mazepin um, haters are upset. He yeah, did, and it's the first race this year that little bastard has not spun at all, not spun for the entire weekend, which is the first that he's. Yeah, there's, no, there's no room to spin. He keeps, you know, he pro- <laughs> let's have a look at the sidewalls of all his tires and see how many times he was stopped from spinning by a bit of yeah, arm cut. true. But then again, he actually got quite a few uh, track violations tonight, more than Lando Norris. In fact, Lando almost Lando got, got yeah. yeah, he's getting hammered. Um, the, the other one, so the weekend fascinated me because we always know Monaco has the kind of rest day. Yeah. But is it just me? Or is it only the F1 that rests? Because were there not F2 and other races or yeah. something on the Thursday? Yeah. I found that. I was completely mind-boggled by that. My son's like, oh, this happened to Oscar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a day off. Isn't what's, it like a bank holiday? Correct. Yeah, what's the reasoning for that again? Yeah, it's a bank holiday in Monaco. That, that's and when, yeah. that, when the race first started. Really? I made that up. <laughs> yeah. And, that, I, and I, that's I, what I thought. I, and, and also, I because the date's off this year so the F2 could race. Because it's a week early. Possibly, yeah, just possibly. I, I just think, like I, I assumed when it when it when I realised that there was other other categories racing, I assumed it must be just a, you know, there's a gala dinner or something. The Formula One is you know obliged to be at, and so therefore they they changed the schedule. But I assumed all my life, I've assumed the track was you know essentially open, and it was like you know punters were on it or something. And there was a reason why they could they couldn't you know, actually compete or, or drive or do anything on that day. It, it was very strange to me because that weekend is, you know, built around the fact that there's this weird different schedule. Barton. Let's talk about Dan. Um, he, he was interviewed by Natalie Pinkham, who for some reason was going really crazy on the eyelashes this weekend. <laughs> uh, it was a, did you see that piece she did um, about the diversity stuff? It was a very good package that Sky put together about what Formula One's actually doing because it's like, let's stop fucking talking here. What are you actually doing? So they that was pretty good. But there was this piece of camera she did, and I'm like, you're going to open your eyes? But her eyelashes were just heavy with these big extenders on them. Anyway, she sat down and talked to Dan, and he did actually say, and he said he's sick of talking to He might be, people might be sick of him talking about it, but he talked about how the car was just really difficult to adjust to and how Carlos even said something to him about it. Um, mm. on a, I mean, 
I know that he's still getting used to it, but it's it's very clear this weekend proved it's a very different car oh, to drive. Totally, and I think the unfair advantage is is that Lando's got a full season of knowing the car in and out over Dan, yeah. which which is which is quite obvious. We knew that, but in all the different cars that he has driven in his career, I don't think he's driven anything as bad or as difficult. Probably not bad is the right word, but difficult as the McLaren because. You know, we've seen races where he has done exceptionally well. Um, the last race at, at Spain at Barcelona was was case in point. But this this race, it, in, a, in an event that he does so well and has won in the past with claim pole position, uh, he was nowhere tonight. And to be lapped not only by, obviously, Max Verstappen, but also to be lapped by your own teammate, mm-hmm. it is downright embarrassing. And I'd be pretty pretty pissed off with McLaren right now thinking what the hell was going on what why am I in such a state right now where Lando is so far ahead of me you know I'm not getting any confidence out of the car at the moment that's what I think he'd be asking I mean I don't know I don't know why he could be angry at McLaren like I don't think they're in the business of creating him as a number two driver or anything so I think they've they've been Uh, giving the same amount of resources and everything between him and Lando I think it is the adjustment thing but you know at the start of his Renault career, he didn't he didn't go too too well there. It took him almost a full season to mm, sort of look true. like himself. Um, and you know this this year he's had less time practicing on track. Um, you know the testing wasn't as as long as it was. I mean, you know this is things we've talked about every week and everyone's talking about, but it just really sort of showed its worst head this weekend. I think. Mm. I think we you know if we look ahead, uh, Baku's next, and Dan, Strong Dan has a solid. Apart from the 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 year bumping up the arse of Max, which was actually a bloody good race for him because he was showing he had the speed and the ability. Um, I also think Baku is going to favour McLaren more than way more than um, Monaco uh, because of the the speed of the track and that kind of stuff. I think that's going to be a fascinating race, and I I think perhaps that will be more of a leveler for Dan at Baku, Harry. Be- just because of his experience and the style of the track is is the complete opposite of it. Yeah, I think so. It, it seemed to show this weekend that his weaknesses, and we've seen this in sort of the broken down sector time in previous races, is the slower corners is where he doesn't seem to have the confidence in the car. And obviously Monaco is basically just, you know, a whole lap is slow corners. Um, so him getting that bit of confidence from Barcelona and then going into uh, into Baku next week, which or next race, which is two a weeks. much faster track, two weeks. I think I think this will be a good test. Um, I reckon he's probably got a bit of pressure on himself that he that it's probably yeah. marked in his diary. I think as a race where he sort of needs to prove himself a little bit in this new car. Yeah, I think kind of the I, I love Baku. I do too. I think that 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 stupid turn up through like the castle is actually just a brilliant piece of racetrack because it, it challenges you to absolutely nail the turn, but it. it that's what Monaco is on every turn, but it's only once. So you only have to do that level of focus for that one Absolutely. corner. I like the fact that it's just there as this kind of standout thing. Um, I guess it's kind of uh, like, you know, an iconic corner as opposed to an iconic track in that sense. But, you know, still has those huge, huge open straights, those kind of really simple left rights. It's a really nice track. I've always liked it, and I, I quite look forward to that. I feel like that's one I definitely won't sleep through. I think it'll be an actually entertaining race. And you're right about that castle, and it's very tight, as you said before. Such a narrow little bit of road, but 
We've all hit the fucking wall there, haven't we, on the, on the sim? <laughs> and I love it. And I think it's it's going to be a much more entertaining race. And I think Dan will definitely come into his own. You know, the car will probably be much more suited to him. The, the track will be much more suited to him. And he'll be able to extract the full performance out of the McLaren. But it'll be very interesting to see how Red Bull will go and Mercedes will go, particularly Mercedes, given that they've now had a pretty dreadful race where – you know, Bottas didn't finish and Hamilton finished seventh. They're going to be looking for some redemption coming up at Azerbaijan because, you know, it's they, they need to fire back. You know, they've lost the championship lead and both drivers are constructors. They've not been on the back foot in a very long time. And I think this is the race that uh, they need to put up or shut up. You know, I think it's going to be uh, a fascinating game changer as the season progresses. I hope Netflix Harry, is with next week. Oh, next me week. too. Oh, Me too. <laughs> can you imagine? Actually, can you imagine tonight? Can you imagine the the debrief with Bono and Hamilton? Hamilton is just going to lose his fucking mind at Bono tonight. He he was absolutely oh, on the radio. Yeah, he was absolutely. Talk to me through that. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't listening. Snoring. You were snoring away whilst Lewis was absolutely filthy he was that livid. he got overcut by Sebastian Vettel. That's why Vettel did so well tonight. Vettel did an overcut on both Gasly and Hamilton, and Hamilton felt that he was able to get ahead of Gasly when he did his pit stop, but Gasly was, yeah, he he basically lucked out, and Gasly took, uh, basically, he came in behind Gasly as he left the pit lane, and then when Vettel did his pit stop, he gained two places. So uh, Hamilton was just filthy with Bono and Mercedes. So, yeah. Which is fascinating because if you, uh, you know that in the pre-show there was – Lewis and Martin sitting in a, a theatre watching some Monaco stuff, which I'm pretty sure is an old bit because I feel like I saw that last year or early this year yeah. or something. But anyway, um, the, he talked about they, – they looked at one of the races and he's going, this is the one I lose, isn't it? And and he was very diplomatic about what he said. He said, you know, look, in the end, we, we did this and we needed to do that differently. Like he'll be the same about oh, this yeah. one because even – so the thing is qualifying seventh and finishing seventh at this race is an – is a is a disappointment because you took one position by default from off Charles, so you absolutely should have moved up the grid. Uh, that's a that's a bad outcome for the team. In fact, you know Toto is going to be filthy about this weekend. You lose an entire car to the to the to the field, no points, and you don't make any progression with a second when you should have the best strategists and the best ability to do those undercuts or overcuts of anyone in the field. Oh, absolutely, and they fucked up tonight. Absolutely fucked yeah. up, and I can only imagine that, it's, that there's going to be a few people within um, uh, that team that are going to be possibly looking, uh, being on notice for the next few races because they just need to step up and try and gain back some of that lead that they've lost over Red Bull. Now, Red Bull are going to go into Azerbaijan with a huge load of confidence, and so they should. Yeah. They have they they yeah. have fought really really hard to get back to where they needed to be, and now they're leading the championship, both drivers and constructors. So. Do you think they're going to be uh, resting on their laurels going to Azerbaijan? Absolutely not. Harry, where do you sit now as we uh, wrap it up and look forward? Where do you sit now in Australia? I mean, well, the way the way I see it, Brazil's not getting any better. I mean, I, yeah. I look at the numbers regularly because I'm, I'm a nerd like that. But, you know, Brazil's still struggling with COVID, you know, 460,000 cases this week. I mean, it's just... It's it's horrible. Mm. And I just don't see how Formula One has not made a decision on that. Well, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I agree with you there, but don't sort of have much to add with the Brazil. But through the week, I don't know if you saw Scott Morrison sort of gave a, a throwaway comment 
um, around just general border stuff included. He, he commented on F1 and he basically made the comment that as it currently stands in the F1's current bubble and things like that, it's not good enough and they're not going to drop the quarantine for it. But he also sort of alluded to the fact that he they're open to ideas to make it to, to have it still happen. So I think, yeah. you know, if they're between the Victorian and federal governments and, and Formula One, that there could potentially be a solution there. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like anyone is, you know, has thought of that well, solution. That's, that's brilliant because I, I do, and, you know, maybe I'm pushing it too hard, but I really do think that Australia needs to push for this because uh, F1 will simply go, yeah, nah, too hard mm. um, if, if, if faced with, with quarantine. But I do firmly believe that if they play the right game with F1, uh, and I'm talking as you, as you said, two governments, state and federal, and actually say, um, look, you have to do this, but this is the upside to it. Because, you know, you look at these big breaks and you look at the break between Mexico and Saudi Arabia and you just own that period of time and you, you treat, treat it like a, another mid-season essentially holiday where, mm. you know, no factories can work and all that kind of stuff or something. And you give the drivers an actual break after they've quarantined. Let them race, let them holiday, let them race, let them holiday. I mean, Australia has the ability to be seen as this fucking unbelievable country um, through the eyes of the world. Through the, imagine through the eyes of the Netflix, you know, like yeah. there's so many good stories about it. Um, yeah, I just, I really do hope that, that something comes of that. But I I suspect if I was a gambling man, A, I'd be looking at, I don't know, if. Bet365 or someone. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't be, I'd be hedging my bets pretty, pretty strongly on there being just simply no Grand Prix because, no one has the has the ability to to look at it. You know, they're talking about tennis not being in January this year because the the, the again the same problem. The we did the bubble so well for tennis, but now that tennis is being played all around the world as a kind of normal ish thing, the tennis players are like, well, we're not doing that fucking Australia thing again. <laughs> you know, why would we do that? Mm. So they're looking at having the tennis so far out that it's not going to have to force that bubble on again. Um, but as I said, you know, for a long time, the the bubble that Formula One calls itself is by no means a bubble in Australian no, terms. They so, fly off and have dinner with friends absolutely. after races. Absolutely. I don't know how it's a bubble at all. And let's face it, we saw last year, in the where, yeah, yeah. there were a number of cases where we had a few drivers and some mechanics that were susceptible to bursting that bubble. Look at Lewis Hamilton. He got himself yeah. tested positive. So, you know, it's yeah. by no means an effective bubble. It, it is prone to all these little bursts here and there, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not, you know, it's not strong enough, I don't think. It's not convincing the federal government, I think, that it's worthy to come into Australia and get exempted from having the, the two weeks quarantine. So it, it's a very, very tricky situation for both state and federal governments right now to try and handle something as big as Formula One to bring them into the country and race for one race and then head back out. It, it is a massive risk. Yeah. Look, boys, I've given uh, this podcast a full bono this week. I've I've really let the team no, down. Yeah, um, no, no, we understand. You know, we understand. Can I, I want to. Can I add one thing I, I before wanna, you go? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was just the fact that the Haas cars are so fucking slow that they were lapped twice by Williams. Oh, wow. that is wow. bad. <laughs> just just want to bring that one up. And one more thing, I'm going to bring up, and here's my two cents worth. What the fuck were they doing tonight with the TV direction? It oh, was wow. just abysmal. And as for someone that works in TV, oh, my goodness. I, I was like, 
What was wrong well, with it? First and foremost, what wasn't what was wrong? What wasn't wrong? What wasn't wrong? Well, first and foremost, we didn't hear the the dulcet tones of Crofty at the start of the broadcast, and then we had the inglorious moment when we saw Sebastian Vettel try to overtake Pierre Gasly as they were going up from Sandovod up towards Casino Square, and they cut to an a, a replay of Lance Stroll. They did that like three twice with different was, angles. Was, was, there's something else exciting that happened. We were watching the Haskars pit, which, as I said, were two laps behind the Williams. So just riveting. Oh, it was the best. All right. Well, it's a massive fail at Monaco for both Mercedes and uh, the FOM TV coverage. It's just outrageous. Oh. And uh, next, it's Baku. Uh, Connor McNally will yep, take over so, the uh, TV. Yep. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So two weeks' time, 10 o'clock, the race will start. And, uh, yeah, we'll, good. we'll have a relatively – uh, early start, I guess, when we uh, when we do the podcast, we don't have to ten yeah. o'clock. Shit, that'll be amazing. Yeah, basically daytime <laughs> <laughs> for us, at least. All right, boys. Um, I look forward to Baku. I really do. I quite enjoy that race uh, for a whole whole lot of reasons. Um, and I, while I love the spectacle of Monaco, and we talked about it last year when we were, I'm pretty sure if we went to the tapes when we were dropping events based on COVID, <laughs> what would we have? What we, I think think Monaco was a was a pretty yeah, early yeah, one. So it was. Oh, look, I, um, I was one of those people that said, "No, we should keep it. We should keep it." I take back what I say now. Drop the blood. That's drop why I brought the it bloody up. thing. Drop it. If we're going to do it, if there's going to be another outbreak, just drop the bloody race. We don't need it. There it is. It's official. All right, boys. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll do it all again next time. Thanks to the good people at KO. Uh, and if you haven't got KO, give it a whack. Give it a whirl. Um, the free version allows you to watch all the practice sessions uh, for, for uh, live and free. Uh, just to incentivize you and get you excited about maybe clicking that button and signing up. Twenty five bucks gets you every single qualifying, every single race live on your smart TV, your tablet, your mobile phone, whatever it is. And uh, it's a nice, convenient way to watch great sport, not just Formula One. We'll be back next week. Oh, sorry, in two weeks uh, after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at Baku.